Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing, Sam? Still hot. Yeah, me too. It's very hot again here. Um, I'm going to stop talking about it as much, but it's still hot, just in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, I I kind of feel like it's getting unbearable now. Uh, Yeah, it's getting to the point where it's just a hot country and I can't do anything that I enjoy doing because everything is sweaty and horrible. Yeah. Yeah, like, mm. oh, I'll go play magic, but then I don't want to sit in a hot room full of people. Oh, I'll, I'll go for a walk. No, it's too hot. Those are the two things I enjoy, going for walks and playing magic. <laughs> <laughs> my own flat is just unbearable. Enjoys well. Magic the Gathering and long walks on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I live near a beach. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy long long walks down, I don't know, the main road near my flat. <laughs> Um, yeah, everything is horrible. Um, but other than that, I'm fine. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> just, just the just the the environment I'm in is pretty horrible. But <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like everything's a bit sticky. I go on yeah. my foils are starting to curl. Oh yeah, so. I I, um, I left some magic cards in my car. Yeah. Oh, they went bendy. Uh oh. Yeah, they weren't with anything particularly expensive. They're just medium edge cards, but uh, yeah. They're... They went a bit bendy because obviously the inside, considering the outside temperature is between 25 and 28 degrees, the inside temperature of my card in direct sunlight is about 100 degrees. So <laughs> the card went curly, but it's all fine. Cool. So have you been playing much magic this week? Uh, Playing a lot of BDH. Okay, like, cool. Yeah. Um, to some people, yeah. <laughs> Are you one of those people that counts? Certainly not. <laughs> uh, I didn't think so. Um, playing a lot of BDH, I've like loads of decks that I've had sort of half built up on my desk for the last like six months I finally actually built cool. um, bits of cards like tweak decks and stuff um, the format's really fun EDH is great uh, other than that no <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean I feel like I'm going to this week because the Pro Tools inspired me, inspired me to do to play some Magic and build some decks yeah the Pro Tools is very exciting we're definitely going to talk a lot about that today yeah um, but other than that yeah I've just, just played some EDH <laughs> <laughs> You play much magic? I think probably not as much as I would have liked to this week, but I've been just trying to get some games in where I can. Uh, been playing a lot of standard, trying to test the um, paradoxical Res- reservoir deck for nationals. Uh, sure. Managed to get one more uh, core twenty nineteen draft in as well. Uh, went two one in that, which was was, was all right. Like I'm confident enough of the format. I just still just don't enjoy it at all. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so I, I'm probably going to try and do like another draft or two before the event, and then maybe like draft on like the Friday there. But you know, we'll see. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm starting to feel like I don't know, vaguely confident. I think definitely better than I did this time last week. Sweet. Well, that's good, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Managed to go 2-1 at FNM, which I'm, I'm happy enough with. Um, I lost to uh, green-white stuff. That mid-range deck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just like... They were like fairly close games, like all three of them, but then it was just like, here's some hexproof angels that I can't deal with. Mm-hmm. Here's some sure. hexproof creatures that I, I can't deal with. Yeah. Um, yeah, every time it was like, you know, just as I draw the Brawl's expertise to bounce the board, here it comes. All my creatures got hexproof now. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of annoying, but it was good to test that matchup and Said I haven't played against it a lot, so sure. I'm going to be tweaking my sideboard a bit. I think mm-hmm. not really. That ex- yeah, I'm not really expecting much of that at nationals, but I th- think it is. It is a decent deck. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't particularly well represented at the Pro Tour. No, definitely not. Um, but people like just you know casting Lyra's and stuff. So yeah, it's a good card. It is a good card. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Thanks, Lyra is always good. <laughs> but yeah, other than playing, I watched quite a bit of the Pro Tour. Uh, I enjoyed, enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to, to be honest. I think I was feeling like a bit sort of negative down with like all of the stuff that was going on around the, the Silver Showcase. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was just, I don't know, I thought like maybe we'd, you know, I wasn't quite quite sure on how they were going to show the matches as well, as far as like the, the three different formats goes. Like, was it going to be like... Oh, this round we're just going to watch Standard, and the next round we'll watch Modern, and the next round we'll just watch Legacy. But I think they pulled it off really well just by sort of jumping to all the, all three of the games. Yeah, I was very impressed of it to be honest. It was. I mean, this Pro Tour just for innovation was one of the best in quite a while. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this is going to be our main topic that we'll get to later. But every format had sort of a breakout deck. Yeah, definitely. A, a new deck that I mean, a deck that existed, but. This is a sort of um, a more tuned iteration, yeah. and they put up really good showings across all the formats. So it's been it was really exciting to see those decks. Yeah, definitely. It definitely felt like like <clears throat> innovation was probably the the word really. Like mm-hmm. uh, you got to see some decks that were either new or had been sort of improved upon and actually put up the results like, you know, as opposed to last time when we saw like uh, Team Channel Fireball and they showed up with, like the Blue Green Khan deck which I thought hey like, that looks really cool that looks like a really cool build really cool idea and then it just 
just didn't perform unfortunately whereas this time around we got to see the innovation and we got to see it really put some work in yeah we got to see sort of these decks come out of nowhere really they weren't really respected in the field yeah as up until now in major tournaments um, and there's at least one copy of each in the top 8 of each format that's true um, but we'll talk about them later but <laughs> it made it made watching the Pro Tour a more enjoyable experience uh, looking at uh, the price of certain singles has been a depressing experience but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. yeah, like the Venge Vine at like a hundred dollars, and like <laughs> Bridge from Below at like fifty and stuff, and uh... like the whole the whole thing's gone completely nuts. Yeah, um, but we'll, we'll we'll discuss that in more detail, I suppose, when we move on to the main topic. We but... will. So, should we move on to a cracker pack this week? Yeah, awesome. I have a pack of M nineteen, but hey. I keep having to buy them because um, I don't play magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, first card: Talons of Wildwood. Hmm. One in a green for an aura, gets plus one, plus one and trample, and you can pay three to return it from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, I I really don't hate this card, you know. Uh, what, really bad rank up? Yeah, I think like it's it's a lot playable and it kind of looks on the face of it, but I don't think I'll ever first pick it. No, I think you're in a bad place if you're ever first picking this card. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have Thrilled Sea Serpent. Uh, no. Yep. It's got a pay seven to make it unblockable. I don't think it's very good. <laughs> I don't think it's very good either. Like, I've drafted it in a deck and I just haven't played it in the deck sure is yeah, the I, thing I, I've I done no I just don't think it's any good mm-hmm. it's got to be flavour text though uh, it is true read it in no wait throw it back <laughs> Gertrude deep sea angler thank, thank you for finishing that <laughs> <laughs> um, next copy for ha- uh, Havoc Devils uh, no I mean it might be the pick so far uh, oh yeah we haven't actually suggested that uh, yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> yeah like I do quite like okay. red in the format and uh, I'm even then, like I wouldn't be too thrilled to even play this card, but maybe it's just the pick so far. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, oh, we have another four mana creature with just a single keyword on it. What have we got now? Two headed zombie. Ah. Uh, mm. I think slightly better than Havoc Devils. I think so. I think I agree there. Not by much. But... Yeah, forty menace. Like uh, it, you're good. You're probably going to play it in black decks as you kind of like twenty X card really if you yeah. pick one up. Uh, I just again don't think it's great. Like you could like block it with like two thopters or it dies to shock or whatever. You know. Mm, gosh, these cards are bad. Yeah. Uh, continuing that theme, we have Cavalry Drillmaster. Hmm. Yeah, and um, it's okay. Yeah, but... it's it's probably my pick so far to be honest. Yeah, it's not great though. No. Uh, next we have Sovereign's Bite. Uh, definitely gonna pick the Cavalry Drillmaster over that. Yeah, really, really, really bad lining helix. Yeah. <laughs> Still really bad. Okay, a card I might actually take Trumpet Blast. Mm. No? Uh, like, you're definitely going to want to play it in your red deck, mm-hmm. you know, your red-white deck, but... Yeah. Again, it's just going to feel really bad if we end up first picking that. I mean, yeah, but it's going to feel better than first picking a Frilled Sea Serpent. Mm, that's true. That's true. Or a, or a Sovereign's Bite. Yeah. Mm, trusty Pack Beast. Oh, again, not feeling that. No. I mean, the art, just the artifact thing. Like, I really find it matters. Yeah, I agree. The frequency with artifacts going to the graveyard is just so low. Yeah. Ugh. This pack. This pack. Ghost form. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't get any better, does it? But, okay, okay, we'll get to the uncommons. Right. Sure. So we have Draconic Disciple, which is the red-green one. I like this card a lot. I'm going to take this. Cool, that's the three-mana so, tap yeah, dad, one, any mana of one colour. Yeah, one red-green, two-two, tap 12, one mana ready colour, pay seven in sacrifice to make a 5-5 five, five flying dragon. Yeah, I like that. Good yeah, card. It's definitely the pick so far for me, even if it is two colours. Considering the rest of the cards have been complete crap, yes. Yeah. This is definitely the pick. <laughs> Ooh, we have a new first pick. Switcheroo. Ooh, I like Switcheroo a lot. Yeah, this card's really good. Yeah, it's... Like, it's kind of like pseudo-removal at worst, and just Mm -hmm. a really, really cool trick at best. Yeah, um, I mean, mind controls are always good and limited. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Like I said, that game that I played where I had an Inferno Hellion, and then attacked with my Inferno Hellion, which I knew they wouldn't block... It got through, and then second main phase, I played Switcheroo. Switching my Inferno <laughs> Hellion for, the, I think Sweet. it was like their Psychic Symbiont. Uh, that's really Which good. Which is great. Shuffle back in my library, and then to turn. Awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, you, you can do things like that. Like, mm-hmm. even like, yeah, then you've got like the other, like, you know, ceiling, I guess, where you're swapping like a Thopter token for like a Nickel Bolus or something silly. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah, the, the amount of abilities on this card, and it's really splashable as well. Just yeah. a single blip. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to take a lot to do through in Switcheroo. Yeah. Ooh, our last uncommon is modern playable. Ooh. Stitcher Supplier. Ooh, I like Stitcher yeah. Supplier as well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, n- n- I don't know, I don't think I like it so much in this format, but I do like it as a card a lot. Yeah, I mean, sweet, I have like a 60th of a modern deck now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not taking it over Switch though. No, uh, I agree there as well. Definitely Switch Rue is a better card for this limited format. Actually. Ooh, I've got a cool rare. 
Ooh, what was the rare? Thick. I mean, you're not taking it, but... <laughs> Arcades, strategist. Ooh. I, I refuse to believe this deck is remotely playable. <laughs> <laughs> There's I mean, no way you can that deck, right? A 4-mana 3-5 Flying Vigilance. Oh, sure. It's yeah, but in three colours. Pretty good. Yeah, but I'm not taking over Switch Crew, right? Mm, I don't know. I I think, personally, I would just take the Arcades in this this position. Is it because it's worth, like, $9? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think just the fact that it, it has... It's 4-mana 3-5 Flying Vigilance is kind of just good enough in this format sometimes. Sure, okay. Like, it's going to block absolutely anything in the air. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the only creatures it's going to lose to you on the ground or like Colossal Dreadmoor or something with like a Titanic growth on it mm-hmm. and, and the fact that it has Vigilance like it doesn't die to Take Vengeance it's a 3-5 so it doesn't die to like Strangling Spores okay like obviously there's plenty in the format that it does die to but I mean the <coughs> fact that it dodges a lot of the removal even stuff like Electrify like it doesn't die to that it obviously doesn't die to Shock I think, I think you, you might have to work a little bit harder mm-hmm. than if you just take the Switcheroo or uh, even the Draconic Disciple like yeah mm-hmm. but I I, I think I would go for the Arcades here. Sure, I just don't want to be drawn into three colours that, that soon, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd rather just take an easier an easier card to play and then keep myself open. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. Um, and I think the difference in power level between an Arcades and a Switcher is mm, not as... It's not as wide a gap as you'd think. No, I think Arcades is possibly the worst of the Elder Dragons in this format, but yeah. I still think I would rather have an Elder Dragon over no Elder Dragons. Sure, okay. And then you just get past all the walls and actually build the deck, right? Yeah, maybe. Or you just play, like, whichever two of those colours are open and splash for the third one. Sure. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Sure. That's fine. I'll I'll, I'll take, like, uh, Arcadies. Cool. I mean, we'll we'll see in two weeks' time at Nationals when I when I got X three in both drafts. Oh yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll see how bad the Arcades was then. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, so far, Cracker Pack done. Should we move on to our card of the week for this week? Yeah. Cool. So, what is your card of the week then, Sam? My card of the week is Militia Bugler. Ooh, that's a card I like. Yeah, it's a sweet card. It's from M nineteen. Yeah. It is uh, two and a white for a two three with vigilance. Pretty good. Uh, End of the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card with power two or less from among them and put it into your hand and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Cut's good. Yeah, it seems really good. It definitely seems like like a you sort of card as well. Like you can see you playing that card quite a lot. Yeah, as the resident like creature value deck expert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I mean I'm I'm currently playing this deck so the like I'm playing uh, a version of like the Green White Countless Company deck. Yeah. Like the Devoted Druid deck. And this card's just great because it finds all your Obviously, finds all your combo pieces. It's just so it, it's not really more copies of Collector Company, but it just gets you to dig deeper where you just want to find all your combo pieces, and then you can find stuff like Night Reliquary because it's a, a two power creature. Yeah. Before it gets to the battlefield, it's just been it's just been really impressive. Like the fact that it's two three with vigilance, it's also just really good. Yeah, definitely. It's certainly just playable at worst. Yeah, because I mean the thing with the thing with that deck is that that the actual secret plan A of that deck is just uh, make some sort of medium creatures and start bashing your opponent. Yeah. So having one of them be a 2-3 with Vigilance is just sweet. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, this this card's seen a lot of play modern. I don't think it's currently seen play much play in standard. No, I haven't seen it see any play myself in standard at the moment, but oh. like I said, in modern, like modern humans, it just seems like a like a really good auto-include. Yeah. Um, the fact that you had like yeah. six copies of it in the top eight of the Pro Tour. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, the most important word on this card is human, right? Yeah. Every time, every time we get a new set now, people every, every time there's a human, um, like I'm in quite a few like discords and stuff, and like obviously magic uh, pages on Facebook, and every time there's a human, uh, everyone's like, oh, this is playable in modern humans, and everyone just goes, no, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Turns out this one actually is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, this one's really good because it finds all of your creatures. Yeah. Because all of the creatures in the deck have power two or less. Yeah, it's uh, pretty good. Like, like, like playing random restoration engine or some nonsense. Yeah. Uh, but you can only it in, like doing this at instant speed is really good. It's actually a really good blocker. Um, and it finds, not only does it find just, you know, like a Thalia or a Thalia's Lieutenant or a Reflect Mage, it also just finds like, some of your hate pieces you're playing in the sideboard. Yeah. It finds uh, Katakis and like your Gallic Teague and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Like reclamation sage. Yeah, it's it's just nuts. Like uh, this card is really good. It's just it's just the body that makes it. Yeah, we've had similar cards before. We had there was a card from Eldritch Moon, I think. It's a green version. It was like foul emissary. Yeah, um, yeah, foul emissary, which is uh, sure. Two- Two and a green for one one. Yeah, I know the one. It's a human. Yeah, um, and you look at the top four and reveal any creature card and put the rest in your bottom and bottom of the library. Um, yeah, when you sacrifice it while casting a spell to merge, you yep. make a 3-2 Eldrazi Horror. Yeah, I remember that right. one. So that card has existed for a while. Yeah. Um, it hasn't seen any play, but Militia Bluga is a 2-3 Vigilance. <laughs> yeah. 
Turns out that's pretty good. Definitely. Um, uh, you just need to start bashing in, right? And when you have a Thalia to turn and stuff, it's pretty good. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's the fact that it, it can just it finds the you know the rest of your threats as well. Like as well as like if it's just another thing like find find any answers that you might need in pretty much any situation. Yeah. And on top of that, it finds your threats as well. Yeah. It's just good. It's just a really good card in that deck. Yeah, it's sweet. Um, but I suppose it doesn't it doesn't apply manage for it. Oh, manage for three three, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that's why it's so good. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Um, sure. Yeah, like it finds every every degree from the deck, yeah. including your meddling mages and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, this card's making a huge impact in modern. Like, it's really good in collect company decks. It's really good made for our decks. Yeah, I'm 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 glad I bought some Japanese copies. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of the F and M promos. I think I might try and pick some more of those up as well. Yeah, they're pretty sweet. They I mean, you, nice. have, you have to play F and M to get F and M promos, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why I don't have any. <laughs> I, I had to buy mine like some kind of schmo. Oh no. <laughs> Sweet, so what's your card of the week? Uh, my card of the week is also a white human that saw a lot of play at the Pro Tour. Yeah. Um, so my card of the week is Palace Trailer. Oh boy. Two and two white for a 2 2 human soldier. It's a nice interaction with um, Militia Bugler there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. Uh, mm-hmm. When Palace Jailer enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until an opponent becomes the monarch. I love this card so much. Yeah, it's a really good card. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, so I've played this in my break before. Yeah, it's it's not typically a card that I would play myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really a card that I would enjoy playing against. Oh, but a creature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but just, I was just so impressed watching this um, this at the Pro Tour, like specifically against uh, Joshua Alighton's Death Shadow deck. Mm-hmm. It was some of the, the best games and best interactions I saw of the whole Pro Tour. Yeah, it's such a sweet card. And the fact that you get to see this, like, you know, this is uncommon from Conspiracy Take the Crown, makes such a splash in Legacy. Yeah, I mean, feels these really cool. foils of this card have been so expensive for so long. Yeah. I'm actually going to look up how much they currently are because they were already expensive going into the Pro Tour. Yeah. Um, I mean, Death and Taxes, like, put it. Well, at least, I'm just going to say it now. This is that isn't the break card deck we're talking about. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> um, it's not. No, no. <laughs> Death and Taxes put really good trade for it all. Yeah, absolutely. Turns out the bands have sort of turned because this was never like Death and Taxes has never really been the best deck in in the format. No, not at all. I, I felt like it was, you know, it was always seen as like the best deck for getting into the format because it yeah. didn't really contain any like reserveless pieces and you know, like all of the cards that seen reprints. Everything was like fairly cheap. Yeah, so uh, it turns always... out win a pro tour with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, which, which I mean, for me personally, it's great because I mean, that's the thing. It contains no reserves cards. Yeah, which is awesome um, to see a deck with no reserves cards win a pro tour is um, very, very good. Yeah. Okay, the foils aren't that much. The foils are like seventeen euros. Okay, I mean that's still a fair amount for an uncommon from a, a master set. set. It's a set, set that's barely opened. Yeah, true. That is true. It was barely opened, but it was did have a sizable print run. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad. I'm kind of glad that we got to see more of this card than we did, like yeah. Brightling or Etherling. Brightling, yeah. Brightling, yeah. Like obviously, like Brightling was like the you know, new hotness coming into the the format, and everybody was getting dead excited about playing that and Death and Taxes and just, yeah. Where, and then, you know, where was that? Didn't even play it. No. Didn't even play it at all. And we got Palace Jailer, which you can find off Recruiter of the Guard. Yeah. Which is. Uh, Militia Bugger's big sister. Yeah. It was actually a good card, but... Um, I think that just the yeah. fact that, like, specifically in that Death and Taxes deck as well, like, that ability of just becoming the Monarch was mm-hmm. so vital for, like, like part of the plan. Like, you got to, like, stabilise, and that was it. When you were the Monarch, you were just drawing, like, an extra card per turn. Absolutely that's, that's fantastic. Well. So it's... you just exile your opponent's biggest biggest threat. So in, in the case of the like the, the Death Shadow deck, it was just getting rid of, like, a Gurmag Angler, and then you were drawing a card on top of that. Yeah, you, you get your own personal home mine. Yeah, it was sweet. Really, really cool. Like, yeah, I just, I just, I, I love the design of um, just the monarch as like a mechanic. Yeah, I think it's really, really cool. And like, yeah, just in, in Legacy, like the, the chances, like if you, so if you're playing a creature deck where you're trying to cast a creature or like one or two creatures on every point of the curve on every turn, yeah, the chances of you actually being attacked and your opponent connecting are so low. Absolutely. And you just throw away creatures because, like you'd rather throw away like your Stoneforge Mystic than lose the Monarch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because if your if your Death Shadow opponent has uh, has the Monarch, then you just lose. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this card's really great, and yeah. I I just love this deck. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah, it's it's not a deck that I particularly enjoy like watching or playing against, but I think just like watching it this weekend alone and seeing like some really sort of like, you know, high intense <clears throat> plays, like whenever you know, you're looking at Pro Tour magic and when you come into like the top eight of a Pro Tour especially, top four of a Pro Tour, yeah. like everything is on the line and just you get to see some of the most interesting magic. 
at those moments. And while I don't feel like the death, like the deck is usually particularly interesting, I thought it just managed to like to really impress me. Creature decks for Aberdeen. Nah, nah. So good. I need to pick a Smith Files. I really need to pick a Smith Files. Yeah, I mean, they got to reprint them soon, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess, they, I guess they just did recently, didn't they? Yeah, mm. Funny Masters, and they're still like 20 quid. Yeah. Um, uh, I also need to pick up my full stone for the Mystic, I think. We're looking at like the Maverick decks from the Pro Tour as well. Yeah. Full stone for the Mystic is just correct. Uh, yeah. So it's a, guy's, a copy of Guy's Cradle, but I ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of glad that like Elves didn't get a better showing. Yeah. Because I, I like, you know, obviously when Death Fight Shaman was still in the format like a couple of months, months ago, I was like, dead set like we're gonna have elves in the top eight Gaia's Cradle is gonna go through the roof it's gonna be you know like the same price as like Tabernacle it's gonna be silly but thankfully that wasn't the case for the the many people out there that do still need to pick up at least one copy of Gaia's Cradle I really really should just because I I mean I used to own a place because I used to play elves Um, and then you know life gets in the way right (laughs) so you've got to sell them to pay bills Um, but uh I, I should just pick one up because I have like you know I have like four different green commander decks. It's actually good in Maverick. Um, it's like one of my favorite cards ever. Yeah. I should probably pick up another copy, but it's like what four hundred bucks now. Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah. I can see it being a four-figure card soon. Yeah, it's not getting any cheaper. No, I'll just play Groundwork to get them off. It's the same thing, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, speaking sp- 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 of else, like briefly, that deck is just not good anymore. Yeah, just the best card in that deck was objectively Death Wish Heaven. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the amount because like I played quite a lot of Magic with Elves. Like, um, it was my first Legacy deck, yeah. and I played, a lot, uh, played a lot of games with that. I played a lot of tournaments with that deck. And the amount of games you just won by just activate Death Wish Heaven just over and over again, and uh, you just can't do that anymore. Just, you, most of your creatures are embarrassing. Yeah, I just, I just think Legacy's gotten so much better since it was banned. Absolutely, and I mean, yeah, since Death, uh, since Deathrite and Cataxian Grove have been banned, Legacy has just improved so much. Yeah, it just it feels way more wide open, but in in like a good way. Like absolutely, it feels like it just feels fresh. Like I'm really mm-hmm. glad that we don't get to see like four color control anymore. Like yeah, um, I don't remember the last time I saw Holy of Old. Like you know. exactly. So I mean, do you want to? Should we just go through? Do you want to use this as a segue into the main topic? Yeah, I guess so. Let's, let's go for it. Break then. So yeah. do, you to, do you want to start with Legacy? And we'll if we go through the top eight and then talk about the best deck. Let's go for it. Yeah, so I guess the, the top eight, uh, we've got in eighth place, we've got Blue Black Shadow. Mm-hmm. Seventh place, Grixis Delver. Uh, sixth place, Reanimator. Uh, fifth place, Eldrazi Aggro. Uh, and then we come to the top four, so the big ones that matter. We've got uh, Eldrazi Aggro in third slash fourth. Uh, Death and Taxes in third slash fourth. And uh, second place, we've got Death Shadow. And first place, Death and Taxes. Woo! So, obviously, with this Pro Tour being like a team Pro Tour, yeah. uh, the, the standings might not necessarily reflect where those decks finished in their sort of respective formats. Yeah. But regardless of that, like Death and Taxes made an absolutely fantastic showing. But the breakout deck, I definitely think, was Death Shadow. Absolutely. Turns out you don't need a taxing pro to, to make this deck good. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, so I guess we'll run through the, the list that came second. So we had Joshua Layton's Raptor playing as Blue Black Death Shadow, which kind of like, it just almost looked and felt like a modern deck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of modern label cards in this deck. Yeah, so we've got two Bloodstained Mire, one Flooded Strand, one Marsh Flats, one Misty Rainforest, one Polluted Delta, one Scalding Tarn, uh, two Verdant Catacombs, and then we come to the actual lands, we've got two Underground <laughs> Sea, uh, three Wardrow Grave, and four Wasteland. Mm-hmm. Uh, creatures, we've got four copies of Death Shadow, four Delver of Secrets, Two Gurmag Angler, two Street Wraith, and then 28 spells on top of that. We've got four Brainstorm, four Days, two Fatal Push, four Force of Will, three Ponder, one Preordain, uh, two Reanimate, two Snuff Out, two Stubborn Denial, and four Thoughtseize. Mm-hmm. And then we run for the, the sideboard, which is quite possibly the most interesting bit. Best bit of the deck. We've got one Diabolic Edict, three copies of Dread of Night, one Engineered Explosives, two Him to Turok, two Liliana the Lost Hope, one Nihil Spell Spellbomb, three Surgical Extraction, and two Throne of Geth. Best card. Best card in the deck. Far and away. <laughs> so good. It might, it might even be. Yeah, so like this, this deck just kind of like, yeah, it kind of performs as you would imagine, like a legacy version of a modern Death Shadows deck. 
performing. Mm-hmm. Like you're playing, you know, very cheap creatures and lots of cards that deal damage to you. Yeah, I mean, turns out you don't need Cataxian Crow anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's like, I mean, since Death Stone has been a card in uh, either modern or legacy, like the the modern deck sort of relied on Cataxian Crow until it was banned. Yeah, and buys on Street Wraith. Uh, but it just turns out you don't need it. No, yeah, just, totally not. Yeah, think... Especially in uh, Legacy, where you have whoever came up with this list, like so many inventive ways to just decimate your own life total. Absolutely, yeah. You've got like snuff out, so you can pay four life. Mm-hmm. And then, like even like force of will, like losing them one life for force of will is, is certainly yep. relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my, I think... favorite, my favorite thing is definitely cycle this street wraith, then cast reanimate on it. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, the other favorite thing that you can do with reanimate is like your, your opponent goes like turn one entomb grizzle band, and you go. Alright, reanimate your grizzle brand. <laughs> Cast a step shadow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. It just it just feels like yeah, sure, at the core of it it's a death shadow deck, but there's so many other things you can do on top of that and so many interesting and really clever plays. Yeah. Just awesome. to go back to that sideboard, that throne of geth, like we gotta talk yeah. about it. Best best card in the deck. So it's a two mana artifact. You tap it and sacrifice it to proliferate. You tap it and sacrifice an artifact. Top of it, yeah, top of it and sacrifice an artifact, which is it's going to be itself. I mean, you have a uh, Nihil Spellbomb and Engineering Explosives. Like yeah, could... I guess so, I guess so. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this card exists on the sideboard like primarily to beat Chalice of the Void? Yeah, I'd say pretty much exactly just to beat Chalice of the Void. <laughs> so good. So your entire deck, um, the, the entire deck can either be, in, in the, the main deck at least, can either be cast for zero or one mana. Yeah. So someone going turn one, Chalice on zero, Chalice on one, sorry, um, is pretty much game ending. Yeah, absolutely. And you just can't come back from it. Yeah. So I've gone into Throne of Geth and you proliferate the counters on your opponent's Chalice of the Void, yeah. make it two, so you can resolve all of your spells. And normally Chalice of the Void decks have a lot of two drops in their deck. Yes. <laughs> so they can't cast their own spells. Yep. It also means that they can't cast their Chalice for one as well. Exactly. They literally can't cast another Chalice for one. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sweet. It is. Uh, yeah, like whoever thought to include that in the deck, like props up mm-hmm. like a hundred percent. Like it's amazing, it's fantastic. Like there is a reason that that team was made up of Magic Hall of Famers, and you had like other Hall of Famers working on the Channel Fireball team as well. Like mm-hmm. just to see, like when I was saying before, like innovation. Like this just feels like pure innovation. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the thing. So like obviously, uh, Legacy Death Shadow has been a thing for ages. Yeah, uh, it has existed as a deck, um, but this just seems like sort of refined list like people have really been really been working on this deck yeah and they finally just found out a way to break it yeah absolutely uh, and found out like Snuff Out Snuff, cause Snuff Out has seen playing these decks it's just like a sort of cheeky one-off because it's fun yeah um, but that card's just good yeah <laughs> that's just really good yeah definitely like, surely you can't you can't kill a Leobold or not that he's seen any play or uh, an opposing Death Shadow or a Gurman Gangler, but you can do some real damage to um, a lot of other decks in format, a lot of the creature decks. Yeah, and obviously you hit yourself for it's just. It's just a sweet card, um, and then yeah, just like the stuff like reanimate, it's just nonsense. <laughs> yeah, definitely, because like you can do things like you know cycle your street wraith and then cast reanimate to <laughs> get your street wraith back, which is great. Yeah, which hits you for five. Yeah, and then you just have a three-four <laughs> with swamp walk, and that's you, I'm pretty sure you can't deal with that in the format outside of sort of Yeah, like yeah, like turn one cycle street wraith reanimate street wraith. I've got a three, mm-hmm. four swamp board. So you, like, yeah, yeah you feed off, so you feed which is like five CMC, yeah. so it's not going to die to fatal push. Like, yeah, it can't, it can't be fatal push, can't be broke decayed, can't be bolted because it's a three, four. Yeah, uh, most of your opponents probably play swamps, though in this top eight, not all of them are. Um, so you just got a three, four, three, four with evasion, which is nearly unblockable most of the time. Uh, they have to like double bolt it, yeah. or they have swords it. Um, and considering that's just a card you're playing anyway, yeah, oh, it's just so sweet. It is really cool. And like I said, then like the, the fact that you're playing reanimate main board as well, so you're like uh, game one against reanimator mm-hmm. is decent. Just get them. Yeah, just, just get them. Yeah, like oh, yeah, sure. Like you, yeah, all right. Yeah, you can entomb that grizzle brand. Like go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the, <laughs> the thing is, so they've got obviously three dread of night in the sideboard. Yeah, just obviously, obviously for death and taxes. Yeah, I think I think they came in sort of expecting that deck to be in a bit of an abundance, really. Yeah, um, but Devon Taxes won. Uh, it didn't win the Legacy. Yeah, but I mean, I, there was a game where I saw a Devon Taxes player beat three Dread of Knights. Uh, that's, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just just play a basketball, be fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like it's sad, sadly the the you know the round was over before we managed to see sort of yeah. a conclusion of of the legacy games really. Um, yeah, 
because it was it was two one to Joshua Layton. Mm-hmm. But by the time that had happened, then the standard modern portions had already been been won yeah. by uh, Alan Wu's team. Uh, but yeah, this this is far and away the best act to come out of the weekend for the legacy portion. I think so, one hundred percent. It's so sweet. I mean, around the rest of the field, like I mean, if we took a look at the rest of the six, like, around the rest of the top sixteen, we get some interesting stuff. So like. We've got uh, a Rogue Delver, uh, another Shadow, in fact, another Shadow. Uh, I don't know what the Teferi project means. <laughs> I'm going to have to look at that. And then, like, Blue Eye Control, Miracles, another Shadow deck. So, like, yeah. there's some good representation of just all over Legacy, and it seems like a sweet uh, format. Yeah, Teferi yeah, project think... was just, like, a, like a blue-white yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of Miracles it's, deck. But playing, like, just... Mon- Monastery Mentor and, like, uh, yeah, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. Yeah, it's just Miracles with Teferi, because yeah. that card's just good. Yeah. Um, sweet. But, yeah, like, like, you can play whatever you want. Yeah, pretty you, much. If you play a so like the shadow deck is sort of like a combo deck, sort of a control deck, sort of a tempo deck, sort of an aggro deck. Because if you can get yourself low enough, quick enough, and you play Dalvers, um, but you can play a combo deck, you can play an aggro deck, you can play a creature deck, which is playing fair magic. Um, you can play Reanimator. Anything, anything is viable currently in Legacy. Um, and I was really worried that the Pro Tour would sort of disprove that. Yeah, totally. That something would break out and we'd have like another um, another deck to take over the format. Yeah, yeah. And while I think Death Shadow is good, it's very much beatable. Oh yeah, absolutely. Imagine taking taking this to um, like a, an FNM where people are playing Burn. Yeah, <laughs> you just immediately lose. Yeah, yeah. You turn to Idol and Great Revel. All right, sure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sure. You literally can't do anything. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a sweet it's a sweet new deck that I think a lot of work has gone into. Um, it's clearly very well designed, very well put together, and put up a good finish. But it doesn't. It's not going to dominate the format by any means. No, absolutely. Um, that's it. Like I. I get- that's not to say that it will be in a in a sort of bad position outside of this this pro tour. But like, I think mm-hmm. it is a very good, very viable deck. Um, it's a deck yeah. that I'm probably going to stick together myself. Like yeah. I think I've got everything for it already. I think. Yeah, I think it's it's beatable. But Death, Death and Taxes is beatable. Ultrazi Agro is beatable. Reanimator is beatable. Mm-hmm. Rikers Delva is beatable. Yep. Whatever you know, whatever deck you you decide to sleeve up in Legacy, I think you have you know a fairly good chance of winning the event. But also, it's not guaranteed. Whereas I feel like before it was like, well, I can play four color control, or I could just play something else, and I'm probably not going to win. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you can play whatever you want. And I mean, I so obviously I have Green White Maverick. And I mean, whenever I play games, it still feels completely viable. Yeah. Um, the uh, Sultai Nickfit deck I was talking about last week is still perfectly viable. Yeah. It's totally. complete, complete nonsense, but it still wins games. You're still playing good cards. Yeah. Um, if you're playing enough powerful cards, you win games, um, which is really sweet. God, I love Legacy. It's yeah. It feel like it feels like it's in a really good position again. Absolutely. I think fairly soon we should do a, a proper deep dive on Legacy. Oh yeah, yeah, we've got that in the works. Yeah, that, that'll definitely happen, and I'll just start gushing about how much I love before. Uh, gush is not legal in Legacy. Oh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do wish it was. <laughs> I definitely playing pauper. <laughs> Um, right, so should we talk about some less good formats now? Yeah, let's talk about modern. Yeah, let's put the, the rubbish format in the middle. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I I agree. It's uh, um, oh, it's it's I feel like my whole sort of magic life. I've been like this this weird cycle of like falling in and out of love with modern. Like, yep. it, it'll be my favorite format. It'll be amazing. Just I just love playing it, and then it'll just do a total one eighty. I think I'm yeah. definitely much in the position at the moment where I'm like, I just just have no interest in the format really, outside of like playing <clears> the PPTQs currently. I think my problem with modern is that the kind of decks I like to play aren't particularly viable. Yeah. Um. I don't. I'm not interested in any of the sort of top decks in terms of playstyle. Yeah. Uh, like humans bores me because it's just like an aggressive deck. Yeah. Um. Like Hollow One and KCI and stuff, they they bore me because they're not the kind of magic I like to play. I don't like control decks particularly. Yeah. So it's not currently a place in the meta where I feel like I want to because I want I want to play like the counter company decks. Yeah, sure. I don't really want to play that. I want to just play the, the value turn decks. I want to cast a collect company into some big creatures and just start smashing my opponent for some value. Yeah. Um, but that's not particularly viable currently. And I, why cast collect company when I can cast Green Sun Zeno? Yeah, it's true. Um, but anyway, we should we should talk about it because there was a, there was certainly a deck of the weekend in terms of modern. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the big breakout deck from the, the weekend was uh, Black Red Vengevine. Vengevine's <laughs> <laughs> a green card. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it plays uh, exactly zero green mana sources to cast the Vengevine. Uh, of course, it does. Uh, we'll run through the deck list that made the top eight, which was uh, mm-hmm. Jacob Nagro playing the deck. We got two copies of Arid Mesa. We got four Black Cleave Cliffs, four Bloodstained Mire. Uh, sorry, four Blood Clipped, two Bloodstained Mire, uh, one Mountain, two Scalding Tarn, two Wooded Foothills. And uh, we've got thirty-five creatures on top of that. So we got four Bloodcast, four Goblin Bushwhacker, four Grave Crawler, four Greater Gargadon, <laughs> three Hangerback Walker, four Insolent Neonate, 
four Stitcher's Applier, four Vengevine, four Walking Ballista, and then we come to our other spells. We've got four copies of Faithless Looting, and then four copies of Bridge from Below. Uh. <laughs> On your sideboard, you've got two Bitter Blossom, three Ingot Tewer, four Leyline of the Void, three Lightning Axe, and three Thoughties. God, I hate this deck. <laughs> I hate this deck so much. I kind of really like it. Like, not in, <clears throat> yeah, uh, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, I can't see myself ever wanting to play the deck myself. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like it's one of those strange, here's a pile of cards that all kind of just work together kind of decks. So, I mean, like, the main way, so the reason that Benjamin's a deck is you cast a walking blister or a hangback walker for zero yeah um and then you cast another one uh and then because you cast your second screech spell you get your bench back from your graveyard that you yeah. put there with something in eight or faith is looting or stitcher supplier yeah oh, god i hate it i hate <laughs> it so much goblin bushwhacker like the love of god <laughs> goblin bushwhacker is great it's just the fact that like this is not playing magic as it was intended in, yeah. any, in any sort of way so um, Vengevine you're just cheating into play because you're casting cards for zero because yeah. you don't you don't care about them Yeah. Um, and you're playing Bridge from Blow which was literally designed as a joke <laughs> literally designed because they needed to fill the slot in the set and was just meant to not do anything yeah. this card doesn't do anything <laughs> um, but obviously like whenever like, so whenever a non-time creature pulls your graveyard from the battlefield if it's in your, if Bridge from Blow is in your graveyard uh, good old future site you make a 2-2 zombie. So you cast your walking blisters or your hangabout walkers um, for zero and you make a 2-2 zombie for, for it and then you get your Vengevines back and, yeah. and you can sacrifice yourself to the Greater Gargadon to fuel it. There's just there's a lot of moving pieces in the deck that all, all come together to make a very like powerful and very efficient deck. Absolutely. And Vengevine is like oh, $100 at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not actually that much. It's like, like 65 or something, 70. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, at one point they were, they were sitting there at around $100. Ugh, and Bridge from Below is like skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, considering how bad that card is. Um, but yeah, like this, this deck suite, you just get to just aggro people. Yeah, absolutely. You, like literally, this is... Like, it feels sort of quite similar to the, the Hollow One deck and the fact that you're just, you know, you're casting like your cards like Faithless Looting, or like your Stitcher Supplier, getting <laughs> things in your graveyard and then next turn suddenly oh, I've got like eight power on the field and I'm, you know, swinging at you for, like, you've yeah. got nothing, like... I mean, at least, I respect this deck more than Hollow One, because at least you're not casting Burning and Crew and Goblin Law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I hate more than sitting down into a game of modern having resolved mulligans and think, yes, this is a sweet hand, and they just play Burning and Crew. Yeah, sure. Play a Stitcher Supply, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> play a Hangabout Walker for Zero, that's fine. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, this is like, it's a well-oiled well machine, like... It, it works really well. There's clearly a lot of a lot of um, thought went into this deck. Yeah, absolutely. It all works very well together. One of those decks that it's seen sort of like here and there, like in say the past month, like it's popped up. You know, maybe a list's like done or a Magic Online or like I think Saffron Oliver did like an against the odds of the deck or something. You know that kind of thing. But it's gone from like oh, an against the odd decks to like oh it's placed in the top eight of a pro tour mm-hmm. which like, uh, I mean, I get, like again like oh. you know that the, technically the, the standings of the individual decks don't necessarily reflect how good that deck is in that particular format but watching some games alone like it's it's a real deck it's a real thing you know it's certainly performs better than anybody thought it would really I think yeah um, I just want to make a point as I've looked through the rest of the, <clears throat> the, the top 16 of modern I've uh I've realised what the Teferi project means. Yeah. They play Teferi in all formats. Yeah. <laughs> play Teferi in Legacy, Modern and Standard. Yeah. That's what the Teferi project means. <laughs> nice meme. Yeah, um, it's, it's like, I was saying to someone, like, I, like if I was playing and they're playing this, I would just love to play on, like, a Storm team. I was playing Storm in all three formats. Yeah, sweet. I mean, I've, <clears throat> I've been playing Maverick, Grimwalk Valley Town, and the Grimwalk Midrange deck, and that would just be, you know, a theme. Yeah. It's probably a lot worse than Teferi, because Teferi's actually good for all of those formats. <laughs> That was a team with Waffle Tapper on, wasn't it? Yeah. All playing to fairy. Yeah. Um, sweet. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the Vengevine deck. It's uh, it's good. Uh, I personally hate it. I'm going to be putting some remorseful clerics in my sideboard if I'm going to be playing some modern. Yeah. Again, like it, I think I agree with you there. Like, it's not a, a deck that I'm particularly looking forward to play against. But I think it's very easy to kill if you want to. Uh, it depends what you're playing, I guess. Really. Like it loses to the same as Dredge does, right? Yeah. True. Yeah. You just. You just. Yeah, it's, I guess it's kind of like dredgeless dredge, really, isn't it? Yeah, you just put a rip into play. And how do they beat it? Yeah, like they're not even they're not even set up to beat it. Like they don't have a they don't have a card in the seventy five that beats uh, a rest in peace, right? I'm not uh, just being stupid. They don't have a card that beats. It. Like, apart from like thought seizing out of your hand, uh, game two. Yeah, they no, don't yeah. Have to beat that card. 
just yeah, just the thought tees would do it. So not even splashing green for like any no. kind of cut to beat it. Um, no, no, it just doesn't play any green mana sources at all. Yeah, so this you can beat this deck. Like if I collect company into a mortal cleric, you just lose. Um, yeah. Obviously, you have to back up with the clock and everything. You can't just slam a rip into play because eventually they'll just start casting walking blisters. Yeah, totally. Uh, and again, like but, it, it depends what deck you're playing as well. Like you know, yeah. if I'm sitting down playing Tron, like I'm not looking forward to playing against this. Oh yeah, yeah, you're gonna have a really bad time. Yeah, because <clears throat> they're just gonna attack you for eight on turn two, and you're just gonna not be able to do anything yeah um but yeah this deck's it's sweet from a design point of view i think it's it's always cool when a, a deck breaks out yeah definitely like it's a, like the legacy deck like innovation definitely feels like the the key Absolutely. word to use for, you know for all, all three of the decks that we'll cover here uh but i i certainly certainly like this one a lot less than i do the the legacy deck mm-hmm. um i mean benjamin will be in the next master set yeah guaranteed at this point i think it's just it. This card, this card's always bounced up in price. Like uh, I remember it being ten dollars. I remember it being it being fifty dollars before. Yeah. Um, based on because the the, the Vengevine decks have never been good before, really. Yeah. They've always sort of been on the fringes. They've been like pet decks that people have played, like Dredgevine and stuff, and they're yeah. fun. But they've never been good. <laughs> this card's just it's a mythic from a, a while ago now. Yeah. It was printed nine years ago. Um, and that now it's now it's top eight a pro tour. So sure. Sure. That's sure. incredibly expensive. Yeah. The rest of it actually cheap then. Yeah, true. Like I mean the most expensive deck card in the deck, like part of land is like walking blister. Yeah. Um but anyway, like oh, the, bridge, bridge from below now. Oh yeah, sure. That's the They're like expensive. forty dollars each now. So it pays $160 worth of Bridge from Bullets. I hate magic. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> right. Can I stop talking about this deck now? Yeah, <laughs> let's move away from modern. That's uh, the best deck, deck we're going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, the, the deck that I, I think I personally am most excited about as well, almost it's has me reconsidering my uh, my uh, Magic Nationals plans as well. Oh boy! Yeah. So standard. We where, have. Where do we, where do we stand with standard generally? Uh, standard. I I like standard at the moment. Like I really mm-hmm. do. I think like. Uh, for, for, I, don't, I don't know. Like I was gonna say, for some reason, nobody's playing chain rollers anymore. But despite uh, that, there were like over forty percent of the of the standard meta were pr- chain roller decks. Hey, tell that to uh, five of the people in the in the standard portion of the top eight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like at least locally or like you know recently at larger tournaments, like it hasn't just been chain roller dominating. Like yeah, I did yeah. think that that would sort of swing back a bit um for the Pro Tour, given that the Pro Tour meta game usually is, as far as standards concerned, is usually sort of very aggro heavy anyway and mm-hmm. you know, we kind of know that this deck is a good deck. We don't really need to do much innovation there. We know that, you know, so the arguably two of the best cards in Legacy have just been banned and that format is, is completely open so yep. maybe we should like we'll just run this and we'll focus on Modern and Legacy where things are way more sort of wide open yeah I think I think Chain One is still making himself felt in the format yeah I would uh, agree. look at the top 16 there are no like the only creature decks are the Chain One decks yeah everything else is a control deck or I mean you've got the, the gift deck yeah or <laughs> Got got this. Uh, I mean, I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, sure. So yeah, we've seen the look at the, the top eight for the standard. We've got uh, five copies of Ragdos Agro, so Black Red Agro, and then we have got two blue white decks. So one of them uh, blue white control, and the other one was blue white Godfarer's Gift, and that leaves us with one Turbo Fog deck. Oh. So Dave Williams off of uh, Poker and Master Chef fame and uh, the Silver <laughs> Showcase fame. Dave Williams off of Master Chef. Yeah. <laughs> occasionally likes to cast some magic cards. Yes. Uh, occasionally he likes to cast seven mana Time Walk cards. Oh god, we were right. Everyone was right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll run for this Turbo Fog deck. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got 26 lands. So we've got one Botanical Sanctum, four Forest, three Glacial Fortress, four Hinterland Harbour, four Irrigated Farmland, four Island, four Scattered Groves, two Sun Petal Grove, and then we've got 21 Instant and Sorceries. So we've got four Charter Course, two Glimmer of Genius, four Four Haze of Pollen. <coughs> I've got one Khan's Temporal Sundering. Four Nexus of Fate. Yeah. Four Root Snare. Two Secrets of the Golden City. We've got four Gifts of Car- Paradise. Two Khan's Iron of Urza. Two Search for Scanter. Four Teferi Hero of Dominaria. And one Majori Conjecture. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. then sideboard, we've got three copies of Boral. Two Con- Cleansing Nova. Two Jace's Defeat. Four Manglehorn. Four Negate. And one Nezahol Primal Tide. Oh boy, what a deck. Yep, they've only Once gone and done we, it. Alright, so if we just ignore the meme for a second. Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> we, just, we just ignore the fact that Nexus of Fate is... I mean, I'm going to be... I'm going to go into like a five minute monologue about Nexus of Fate specifically. Agreed. This deck is sweet. <laughs> this deck it's is awesome. really, really cool. 
Um, it's just it's sort of come out of nowhere. I mean, like we, we've we've heard people talk about, oh, you know, we've got we had hazel pollen. Now we've got roots now. There's you know there's enough fogs in standard to yeah. make turbo fog uh, a thing. Um, but this is just it's just really come together. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think the card that ties it up is Nexus of Fate. Yeah, I agree 100. percent Because it, I mean, it often just acts as another fog. Yeah, uh, and then you back it up with. Teferi and to Khan yeah and, and yeah and Khan and like um, I mean the rest of your deck is just digging towards it yeah. search for us canter a gift of paradise to ramp you and to gain life so yeah. you're not just losing to the aggro decks you know, charcoals glimmers they're all digging secrets of golden city sweet um, all just digging towards um, one of your planeswalkers one of your fogs or your planeswalkers yeah, yeah. so um, I'm, I'm always really happy when Turbo Fog is a deck. Yeah. We haven't seen like an actual Turbo Fog deck do well since Dragon's Standard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been a while now. Um, so it's always sweet when. I mean, they're very. I think Wizards are very worried about printing the actual card Fog. Yeah. Because one mana Fog is actually instead a crap card, but when you you know when it's in the right engine, when it's in the right deck, um, you can do stuff like this and you can do well at Protocol. Yeah, absolutely. And you can make the card Nexus of Fate. Reach <laughs> <Each> fifty dollars. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, uh, certainly a thing. So uh, yeah. So it's really like the the win con as such of this deck. Like so, you're playing your uh, cards like your Hazer Pollen, Unroot Snare to prevent all combat damage. So essentially, your, your Fog effects is what what they, those sort of types of cards are called, and uh, named after Fog, the original card from Alpha. Uh, so you're just trying to sort of gain a little bit of life here and there with your uh, Gifts of Paradise, and then you're trying to prevent as much damage as possible to build up to the point where you can just start playing your uh, Teferi Hero Dominaria and then start looping um, Nexus of Fates. So yep. you're going to be taking essentially infinite turns uh, and mm. you're just going to get to do whatever you want with your Planeswalkers. And whether that's just getting a Teferi Emblem and then exiling all of your opponent's stuff or mm. making a, a Construct of Khan and then just getting in for, for some damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sweet. Like, that's... <laughs> the, the Wing Con is... Uh, I have loads of turns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guess I better do something, um, which is really sweet. Uh, like, there's no, there's no secondary win card. I mean, like, I guess sometimes you might just have a card and play it or make some constructs and get there. Yeah, I, I did see there was. I think there was one. I think one version of the deck might have been running like a Carnage Tyrant in the sideboard as well. Sure. I mean, this one's this one's got an as a whole. Yeah. Where you can you can just start bashing in. I suppose. I still hate this card. Um, but yeah, like the the wing con is just do nothing, yeah. <laughs> like properly do nothing. Yeah, because we've seen like the um, the hour of promise decks. Yeah, where um, it's been like played the band version for a while, and obviously the green back versions, and, and like the sort of I mean green back base, but like five color versions. Yeah, where the plan of the deck was do nothing, do nothing, do nothing, make a thing, make, make a massive thing, kill you. Yeah, uh, this one is literally do nothing. Yeah, pretty much. At no point you doing anything remotely proactive, <laughs> like even casting an exophase, it's not proactive. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Um, but this deck is really sweet um, and yeah I think I mean so I know that you don't want to take a good deck to Nationals um, oh, I know that I, you I want to, I want to take a good deck definitely I mean you want to take a good deck but you want to take a Joe Loudon good deck so it's, it's just it's slightly silly hey, not just Joe Loudon like I'm going to be taking the deck that Paolo Vito Domino Rosa played at the Proto what did he play at the Proto? Mono Blue Storm Mono, so, so you, that's the thing are you still taking that or are you going to take this pile of nonsense? I'm probably still taking Storm I'm, I'm very much I'm very much kind of on the fence at the moment where to take take the deck that you know actually one of the best magic players of all time like in my opinion like Paolo played at the Pro yep. Tour and did you know did alright with it or to take this one which uh, you know had a better win record than that and placed in the top 8 and the person that piloted this deck is apparently really good at cooking yeah so there's that yeah you know? I mean I mean this this deck is gas oh god damn it <laughs> 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 Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, well done. I walked into that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, just practicing in case uh, in case LSV have any just taking a break from limited resources and <laughs> Marshall gets desperate. <laughs> really desperate. Yeah. I going to come by to us. <laughs> I mean, no, the pun level's there. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to be mean, but I'm not sure the magic prowess is quite there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this deck's great. Yeah. Really, uh, really, really happy. I'm like not. Really like, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, that's it. Like it, again, like it just stands out. Is going back to that word innovation. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's been a very long time since we've seen anything like this in standard, particularly. And yeah. the fact that not only is it a innovative deck 
in that it's, you know, it's a Turbo Fog deck, something I haven't seen for a while. It is mm-hmm. something that put up results. It put yep. up consistent results against some of the best decks in the format. Like, especially, it just seemed like a really good meta game choice as well. Like, going in knowing that, you know, we're going to see Goblin Chain Whirlers, we're going to see some aggro decks. Like, I, you know, I, I'm not a pro player, but I, I thought coming into this tournament, we'll see a fair amount of red-black aggro. Not as much as there was, but I thought we'd see a fair amount of that. Mm-hmm. And we see a fair amount of mono green as well. Like, they are kind of like the two... The two really good decks to sort of watch out for at the moment. Yeah. And um, I just don't see how and either of those decks beat this deck. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's worth mentioning the um, there the, there are innovations in within within just the set because there's um, Shooting and Leaves deck. Yeah. Who, who's in the top 16 who just plays this deck. It, it, like, it's obviously got the same core, so it's playing four, um, four Hazel Pollen, four Roots now, four Nexus, four uh, Teferis. Yeah. But it does look quite different. So you've got, um, I mean, four Anticipates. Yeah. The other deck has Chart, chart Course. Um, beneath the Sands to Ramp. Yeah, uh, playing Nissa Steward of Elements. Yeah, which is a really nice win con. Uh, which is sweet. Yeah, um, uh, and Oath Fairy. Yeah, because why not? And then four Carnage Tyrants in the sideboard. Yeah, um, which because eventually you get bored of doing nothing and just want to smack them. <laughs> <in the sense. laughs> like, sure. Oh, this is really boring. I just make a massive dinosaur. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's still innovation within the deck, but like the core, the core is there, and like I think this this is a real deck. We're yeah. going to see more of it going forward. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Whether you know it'll be that Leafy Town deck or whether it'll be you know Dave Williams version of the deck, like mm-hmm. the, whichever one sort of comes out on top as like the the best version of that deck, we'll see. But yeah, uh, like I said, I am. Genuinely considering it for for nationals now. I know we're kind of getting right down to the wire, but mm-hmm. seeing how good that deck will be, plus I'm expecting sort of a similar amount of like black red aggro and and mono green mm-hmm. at nationals. I think it could be once again a really good meta game call. Yeah, and I mean you get to make your opponents really angry. Yeah. <laughs> and I do know that some there are a handful of. of, of people I would consider good UK Magic players that will be playing this deck. I'm mm-hmm. not going to name them in case anybody's listening, but sure. uh, pre-tournament, yeah. you never know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, I know that some people I respect are, you know, will be taking this deck. Absolutely. Um, right, can I get angry now? Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> so what what could what could you possibly be getting angry about with this deck? Uh, right, so you know like uh, a few weeks ago when we were talking about Nexus of Fate yeah. and how that was a massive mistake as a buy box promo and yeah. the fact that the only way you can get this card is by buying a box and it's not actually in the set and it's going to be really limited and it might be really expensive yep. yeah, it turns out when uh, a deck finally plays four of this card and does well at a Pro Tour it gets really expensive yeah there's a surprise Ugh. so I needed a Nexus of Nexus Fate for my Mystic CDH deck Yeah. Um, I bought one admittedly it's in Spanish uh, but I got one off Magic Card Market for three euros and 70 cents Okay. Uh, and paid like one euro twenty shipping for yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, pretty good. The day the day it arrived, uh, it's this this spiked to I think thirty dollars. Yeah. And um, now it's currently sitting about fifty. Yep. Uh, and that's just not that's not just because it's a good card because it, it, it's not like it's not like it's a Teferi where it's just a staple in all these archetypes um, and it's the best you know one of the best cards in the format. Like Nexus Fate isn't actually that good unless you're really building around it. Yeah. It's not a generically good card. It's the fact that you can't get them. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way to get your hands on like I mean sure there are ways to get your hands on this card yeah but there are less copies of this card than every other card in standard yeah absolutely it's 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 a very odd one like I, f- I feel like there's there are like if you sort of do the do the maths or sort of, like do some really rough maths on like how many copies of this card sort of should exist and you know, match that up to the amount of people that would want to play this deck in standard like they should be enough to go around but that relies on exclusively those people getting those cards and you know not the fact that you know copies of the cards are going to end up in in you know as a a one-off in a binder they're going to end up in people's commanders decks there's going to end up in people trying to break them in other formats there'll be people playing them in like 60 card casual there'll be people who'll just you know get it as their buy box promo and just put it to one side or maybe even throw it away because they don't you know they don't care about the promo they just want to jam some kitchen table magic with their their friend Mm -hmm. so it's it feels very odd and there isn't really like a sort of a way to add more copies of this card to the market like there is with any other card in standard yeah and Uh, it's really oh god it's so it's there's so many problems with this yeah absolutely so many like so the main problem is it's an expensive card because it's it's a limited card that you can only get in a certain way you can't open in boost packs you're not going to randomly pick up in drafts and stuff like that yeah um and it's a four of in a deck that's doing well yeah that, that's the baseline problem so like that's going to be an expensive card um and then you just consider the fact that like it, it's a promo so you can't 
Well, how else are you going to print this? You, you can't yeah. just print more of them. Yeah. You can't. You can't just. I mean, can you just? You can't just put it in a in in the next set. You can't just like in Ravnica just put this Nexus of Fate in there. Yeah. Well, they've already confirmed that you know, Ravnica's got a print and it's not in the set. Mm-hmm. Like this card for the foreseeable future. They just there are the amount of copies that there are, and there is one way to get them. Yeah. Obviously, there's a secondary market, which is what's effective. Like the price. The price is insane. Yeah. The price of this card is is prohibitive, and that's not, not that's not that's not necessarily the problem. Yeah. Teferi's a forty dollar card. Yeah. That's that's prohibitive to playing standard, right? Uh, the prices of jewel lands, all these things, they're, they're prohibitive to playing the kind of magic you want. But the fact that this is a self-imposed problem. Yeah. The fact that this is Wizards' fault for doing this because yeah. we. We knew this going in. We knew this when we saw this card that it was going to be a buy box promo. That this might be a problem. Yeah. When you print good cards as buy box, buy box promos that you can't get anywhere else, there's a potential that the price is going to be stupid. Yeah, that's it. And it's like it's not necessarily the price that's the, the problem. It's the availability of the card. Yeah, like actually getting your hands on them, and that's that obviously affects the price. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so if this card was in the set as a mythic, would it be this price? No, certainly not. It, I, I, I don't think it would be that price because there would there would be more available on the marketplace. Yeah. There's you know so you know the way the way those a lot of the cards are entering the marketplace are by people cracking boxes, stores cracking boxes, people are getting cards in draft. Like if you sit down and do a draft, like you don't you know you don't get an excess of face included in that draft like you get three packs each mm-hmm. like a store opens a box to sell singles like they don't get an extra fate in the box yeah and the, you know so- yeah like even trying to break it down you take it roughly like on average like a wpn location it'll get 20 copies of this card and again like roughly there's like six thousand wpn locations so there should be you know various this is obviously very rough maths like there should be about one hundred twenty thousand copies of the card in existence, yep. which is considerably a lot less than like any other mythic, yep. and then you know obviously divide that by four for playsets, so should only have thirty thousand playsets in existence, oh. roughly. That's not enough, no. <laughs> Especially considering all the things you suggested, like people having, like I have one for a commander deck. Um, people have them for like other random things. Yeah, which is um, which is why you, you get this other strange problem of like where people either have one or they have like fifteen because they bought them all cheap because they were specking on them because they, they knew that this was going to happen. Yep. And you, you've, it seems like you've got very few people in between that have got like the playset that they need or you know the three that they need or whatever yeah I mean you just look through the, if we look through the MTG UK trade page yeah. people are selling them and the people that are selling them are just like oh I have this one that I got mm-hmm. <clears throat> that I'd like to sell for £20 please it's uh, I've got 7 of these I've got 8 of these I've got 15 of these yeah. that I'd like to sell and ugh, every time someone buys one it makes me a little bit sad because you shouldn't have to pay that kind of money for, for that kind of card yeah. um, for the breakout deck of the, like the breakout deck of the format and it's not like I keep, I keep comparing it to Teferi but Teferi is a mythic that is expensive and it is about the same price currently. Yeah. Um, but it is played in every format. I'm not sure it's actually been played in vintage. Uh, sure I haven't seen one in, in a vintage list. Yeah. But I, I, <laughs> don't, I can imagine that you probably could play it. <clears throat> sure. But like, it's definitely playable in a modern. Like, 100%. It's better than just the Mind Sculptor, yeah. I think. In, in the blue white deck specifically. Yeah, sure. Um, it's definitely playable in, in Legacy. Yeah. In the Miracle deck. Um, and. It's obviously very good in multiple decks in standard. Yeah. You've got the uh, so you've got this deck, like the Turbo Fog deck, you've got all the different iterations of the control decks. Yeah. Um you've still got like the sort of like the band ramp deck with our promise, which is still playing Teferi. Yep. And and it's sort of the face card of the set, you know, it's it's Teferi. That, obviously that, that that legitimately affects the price. Yeah. And then all your commander players and etc. 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 So that affects the price of this card. Um but the fact that next face doesn't need to be this price. It, it, it doesn't need to be this price. No, it it doesn't. Uh, and, you know, if it was if it was just in the set, then it wouldn't be. Um, it's a it's a bit of a strange one as well because I feel like you could almost look at sort of the, the flip side of that and say, well, like you know, surely it's a good thing that it's a it's a fifty dollar card, that it's a hundred dollar card because if I buy a box from a store that's a WPN location, now I'm guaranteed that minimum in my box like surely it's like it's a good thing for ev mm-hmm. but and it just it just doesn't necessarily it doesn't really solve that problem of availability because stores are limited to the numbers of copies they will receive as well yeah like at the most like your store is going to get like 60 of them yeah which is like so let's say you're let's say you're somewhere big yeah let's say like i mean i'm sure there probably will be exceptions to the likes of like channel fireball and star city games but for example Let's say you are Star City Games and your promos come in to your your play centre and mm-hmm. you've got sixty copies of uh, Nexus of Fate. That's enough for like fifteen players to get a playset. Yeah, I shouldn't turn it up to like you know Star City HQ to play some some F and M. Like that's just not going to be enough. Yeah, it's 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 really bad. It's yeah. really bad. Um, <clears throat> I think that's what it comes down to. It it's just. Uh... 
how could they not have seen that it was going to be a good card? That's the thing. Because even even when we when this card obviously seen no play, seen no testing, yeah. we knew this was this was potentially a good card. That's it. Like I think, you know, when they did sort of talk about the card like initially. Like they did say that they kind of wanted to define the line, you know, where yeah. where the line yeah. is. Like they found it. <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I think I think this is over the line, like definitely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure, like we might not see this deck sort of post rotation, but you know, I, I fully feel like we're gonna end up in the same place in like ten months' time. Yeah, where there'll be a deck that works. They, you know, the card might have fallen out of favor, so they haven't bothered to do a reprint of it, and now suddenly people are scrambling for it, and there are even less copies of it available, mm-hmm. and it'll be even more expensive. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. Like it probably shouldn't have been done uh, yeah. but now that it has done they should probably at the very least stick them in the standard showdown packs yeah or maybe they could do it as an open house promo yeah they could do they could they, there, are, there are a lot of ways to do it yeah um and there's still time i think yeah definitely to do it but the fact that we're in this position at all and then you still have that feel about moment right so if they do that and they just make it an open house promo or they you know there's, there's time for them to to do these things um yeah. if they do that and this card crashes to a 10 dollar card people are going to feel bad <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the thing. Like, if if they you know if they do hit a hundred dollars and you spend like four hundred dollars on a playset of them, Jesus Christ, can you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to be that thing again where they had to ban a load of cards in standard, and then everybody got dead upset that their decks lost a load of value and stopped playing. Yeah, which is is not something that wizards like. No, well, that, that, that's that, that's my main issue is that it's a self-imposed problem. Yeah, it's it's something that they've that they've created. It is definitely. I do I do really hope they change that because. You know, trying to put a bit more of a positive spin in it. I do really, really love this deck. Um, oh, yeah, I'm really glad that it performed well at the Pro Tour, and it's really nice to see some real in- innovation. Like mm-hmm. I said, I am, you know, I've been playing that Storm deck a lot, but I am generally considering this deck just because of how good it was and how consistent it was. It's always nice to see sort of nonsense do well. Yeah, definitely. It's nice because obviously, you know, you've got the control decks, you've got the aggro decks, and then you've got like the mid-range decks that like we have with with energy, and you've still got like the Grixis deck with Nickel Bolas, which is really sweet. Yeah. But it's nice to see stuff like Turbo Fargo or stuff like the, the Mono Blue Paradoxical deck. Yeah, for sure. It's nice to see stuff like that like that do well in standard. Yeah. Um, because we know that what's his MO for a while has just been sort of mid-range. Yeah. Um, pretty good mid-range cards decent control cards and stuff and put an aggro deck in the format but it's nice when you can just have like a Nexus fate deck which is just doing silly stuff yeah um, and you can have a paradoxical outcome deck where you're doing silly stuff yeah it's definitely. nice sort of like a combo-esque deck in the in the format yeah because uh, it shows that the format still still. I mean the format feels really healthy yeah it really does like so I was saying before like it feels surprisingly healthy given that you know this time a month ago we were like oh Goblin Chain Waller needs to be banned like yeah. this is a real problem it's just going to be this deck or it's just going to be mono red and it's like well mono red wasn't it was barely played I mean yeah it's, like I said it's still got a foothold in the format Absolutely. you still can't do certain things because Chain Waller's a card yeah. none of the yeah none of the top 16 is remotely viable against Chain Waller yeah like, totally. like backhand arrow <laughs> none of the top 16 is, is decks that aren't completely viable against Chain Waller yeah. like their Chain Waller decks themselves or they're not playing any X ones basically. yeah for sure but yeah like it's, which is kind like, of one of the reasons why I'm considering this over the um, the Paradoxal Reservoir deck as well. Like, because mm-hmm. obviously the other plan in that is to make a load of Thopter tokens and attack with them, but yeah. Chainwell is going to be a thing. Like, it's really difficult to do that. Yeah, but then I mean, like Chainwell, just I don't see how it beats this, this Turbo Fog deck. Yeah, I just don't think it does. And I think the thing is with with Nationals is that sure the meta's going to change at the top. Yeah, like. The top players, but the, like a lot of the rounds you're going to have to play, people are going to have the deck. Yeah, people are going to have ingest, invested in chain wellers. Yeah, um, and they're going to have the deck and they're going to play it. Absolutely. Um, so you're going to have to deal with it at some point. Yeah, I guess to make my mind up. Yeah, or you just uh, at the last minute just pick something completely different. Yeah. I think that's what you did. Yeah, probably. I mean, we'll see. I'm going to go down early on Friday and do some like uh, do some some of the trials. I think mm-hmm. uh, and see what happens then, and then probably end up buying to fairies late at night on <laughs> Friday. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Just scrabble around for them on Saturday morning and begging. Yeah, just trade um, in the massive stop pile of uh, Nexus effects you have. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. Okay. So I guess that pretty much does does it for our show this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pro Tour overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think like it was really cool to see Legacy. The pro tour legacy yeah. feels like it's in a really healthy, innovative place. Uh, modern, not so much, but it's Ugh. always nice to see you know modern at the pro tour, like regardless of how the formats do. And to be honest, I mean, there's still there was still innovation. There's still yeah, sure. Google, which I think is a big deal. Yeah, 
and there's still this obviously this Vengevine deck which is technically innovation like yeah. you know it's still, still happening and it's nice when a Pro Tour is not just stale yeah sure and then Standard just felt great really really good yeah, really interesting great. a whole lot was fantastic um, just want to touch on the Silver Showcase finally before we go as well sure uh, I the Silver Showcase draft itself I really enjoyed I really liked that format of like beta Arabian Nights, Antiquities, uh, Legends, uh, but the whole, pretty much everything else around it just felt just felt wrong. I yeah. felt like they, they should they sh- you know it was definitely stick to my guns. Like they should have done so many things differently with it. Um, you, you know, yes, it was good to see that like David Williams had a good run in Standard, and like you know it, the event was won by a by a former Magic player. Yeah. But there are so many things they could have done differently. Yeah, I think. I think a lot about uh, uh, enough has been said about the silver showcase. Yeah, but we're not going to add much new to the conversation. But sure. I mean, at least something, something good came out of it. At least you actually enjoyed watching the the, the draft itself. Oh, I had, yeah, great fun on on Thursday night watching the <laughs> watching all the sweet cards cards being opened. It was really cool. Yeah, I think I think it did. It, I think it met. I think their, their intended purpose was clearly to get other people watching Magic, sure. getting non players to watch Magic. So you get all these uh, Hearthstone players and whatever. Yeah. And I think there are better, there are better ways to uh, achieve that goal. Yeah. Get them to play Arena, get them to play the newest set, whatever. But in terms of celebrating Magic, uh, you know, the 25th anniversary Pro Tour, yeah. I think they really did, they really hit the mark on that. Yeah. Like, look, these sweet old cards, look at look at this. Um, uh, look look at where, the, like, the, the humble beginnings of the game, I suppose. Yeah, true. Uh, uh, and now go look at all the pros playing these sweet new decks with the new cards. Yeah, I feel that, definitely. It, it, it certainly felt like a pro that celebrated magic. Yeah, but yeah, the actual silver showcase was a bit of a, a bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's over now. Very yeah, much like the show. True. So if you do want to hit us up on social media, find us on our usual channels. Uh, so we're on Twitter at at hfdcast, uh, facebook.com slash hfdcast, or hfdcast.com. Uh, you can find myself, uh, my own personal. I'm just Joe Loudon on Facebook. Like you'll probably find me in any of the MGG UK groups. I'll be in there. Or on Twitter, I am at PeachGardenOaf. That's O for Finef. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am also in one of the MTG UK Facebook groups. That's Sam Neil. Just selling cards I shouldn't have bought. Or, or, or causing arguments. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my Twitter is also Snail69. Nice. There we go. I thought you were going to do it then. <laughs> So the only reason I ever talk about my Twitter, I don't actually use Twitter that much. It's just it's, it's always nice to get the, val- the validation on the funny, the funny handle. That's, that's all I ever... That's all I ever want, just validation on my humour. Do it for the memes, yeah. <laughs> like, next is a fate. Yeah, sure. Magic meme of the year, 100%. Oh. It's getting there, like, so far. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, but yeah, once again, the, we are approaching the second hour. The God Pharaoh has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation.